Please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Psalms is the hymn book of the Old Testament, a wonderful poetry. It's about in the middle of the Bible. As you know, on this second Sunday of Lent, and this day when we think about what uh, sin does to our world and how it enslaves us in a whole variety of ways, we come to a psalm which is one of faith and fear. It's one of doubt and security. It's a, a powerful, powerful uh, poem. When Cheryl and I were in seminary, uh, we did our internship with the mental health department of the city of Chicago. And I'll never forget uh, the supervising therapist making this observation when he was explaining how we do our work. He said something like this. Your own emotional response to a person or situation is your instrument of evaluation. But if something is wrong with your instrument, then you will misdiagnose everyone you meet. Now that, of course, is true not just in counseling and in counselors. It's, it's true in all of our lives. All of our internal reactions we have to the people that we meet not only informs us as to who they are, but whether they're safe, whether we're going to allow ourselves to connect with them in our daily lives. And so if our instrument is damaged in some way, then how we calibrate, how we evaluate everyone else gives us then a false reading. And we are inaccurate in our assessment of others and our relationships, how we should or should not respond to them. But where this is foundationally important is in our response to God. If our instrument has in fact become damaged, then our relationship with God is damaged. David Siemens explains it this way, that the good news of who God is can become distorted by our own instrument such that we were broken by the unhealthy early relationships that we had and now we misread God. Thus, he explains, the loving, merciful, steadfast God that is presented to us in scriptures and that other people experience God to be due to our broken instrument becomes an unconcerned and unforgiving and untrustworthy God. And no matter what others might say, as how God uh, relates to them and how they experience God, or even what the scriptures teach us about who God is and his wonderful characteristics. We know God to be either absent or unloving or demanding. And we either keep away from him or we even start denying that he even exists. Now I bring all that up because the psalm that we're going to read today has been identified as being a rather interesting collection of emotional responses to God. From great love and trust to a pervasive fear of rejection and abandonment. 
Now, scholars speak of these two voices in the psalm. But as I read it, I could not help but think that either this was written by two people, the first part and the last part, or by one person who has some form of brokenness as described by David Siemens in their internal calibrations of who God is and how he relates to them. And since we know, of course, that this was a psalm of David, and we know the life of David as recorded in the history books of the Old Testament, we know then that it was written by one broken person who revealed in prayer and in poetry how a broken person comes to know God, comes to love God in the midst of that fear of God. Now, of course, we're all broken. We are broken in unique ways, and that causes us to have different calibrations of God and our experience of his presence. And so the psalm is a very powerful emotional instrument of healing. I would encourage each of us as we read it, we're going to read it twice this morning. We're going to read it once, and then we're going to study it a little more, and then we're going to read it again. I encourage you to allow God to speak to you, to speak deep within as we read this poem by David. So Psalm 27, we're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to read the whole of the psalm. David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. I'll keep that open before you. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that in this great adventure of life and 
learning to know and love you with all our heart and soul and strength and mind, that you understand and you work with real people like David and you, you inspire them to write their journey so that we can, we can walk with them, we can understand him and us and each other and you, and we can have real relationships with the living God far beyond our broken concepts. And so today as we're in the sanctuary where it's safe and we're here to, to know you more fully, as we're looking at the Lenten season and, and all that enslaves us, we're so thankful that you do a work. And so we're here to have you do a work, both within our faith and within our fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I suppose you could say, those of you who like the DSM-5, that this psalm is for a person who's struggling with borderline personality disorder. Now, this individual struggles to be loved and yet always fears rejection. They jump from intimacy to distance, from fire to ice. And I suppose, in a sense, this, this would be a good psalm. Uh, to give to a person who's struggling with that. But it's far more universal than that, and it's far more personal. It's a psalm that speaks to each of us and our desire to be loved, and yet the fear that we will not be. The desire to know God, and yet fearing that we can't. Fearing and facing the army, the enemy, those who falsely accuse us, and yet trying to convince ourselves that inward self-talk, that it's going to be all right, we're going to make it through, we're going to survive. Now we all do that, it's internal self-talk, it's a part of good mental health, it's a part of just struggling with a world that is so broken and people that we love so dearly that still hurt us and harm us. David simply here puts it in poetic terms so that we can begin to name it. Uh, naming it is such an important part of healing it. As we begin to name and understand it, then he opens us as he opens his soul to this spiritual journey that is real. Although the entire psalm increases in this didactic, and it's actually the first half of the psalm and then the second half of the psalm that are the two voices, it is this struggling with God and wanting him to, to be with him and yet fearing that he's going to be rejected that permeates, in fact, even the positive aspects of the poem itself. The dyad is even in these affirming three verses that we have that start the poem that are supposed to be on the positive side of our relationship with God. You can feel the struggle uh, that David has with in himself as he relates to his saving God. He states on the one side, the Lord is my light and my salvation. But that affirmation causes him then to, to think of darkness and being lost where light and salvation are not his. And so he continues, whom shall I fear? And then he affirms, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And immediately, of whom shall I be afraid? And then he answers his own question by saying, 
When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, that's who I fear, that's who I'm afraid of. He then affirms, it is my enemies, it is my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Now, all of us know that internal conversation. We all have it in varying forms and varying circumstances of our lives. Yes, we trust and hope and believe in God. Yes. And in the next breath, help my unbelief, help my distrust, help my sense of fear and hopelessness. Help me be confident in the midst of my lack of confidence. Help me have hope in a hopeless situation. I had a fascinating experience that happened to me when I was in my first year of seminary. Struggling, as most seminarians do, when you look behind the veil or look behind the curtain and see the ways that we have so easily within Christianity distorted and even defamed God, often trying to find uh, easy and and immature answers to very complex questions. In that place, seminarians often, and I definitely did, go through a place where you begin to uncover the doubts that growth always causes. I was, as they say in in, uh, developmental psychology, disequilibrated. I was no longer level and I was struggling about I was preparing to leave behind, of course, as Paul says it, childish things and childish ways of thinking and becoming a mature adult in my understanding of the faith. It's a growth I've discovered that, for me at least, is lifelong. I'm continually going through that process of coming into a new sense, a new horizon, a new depth of understanding who God is and what he's doing in the world and how I I so often had simplified it in ways that were difficult Uh, to actually find solutions. But in the midst of that angst that I was in in my first year, I went to see my pastor of my church. And I explained to him my doubts, and I found out very quickly that this shepherd hadn't traveled the same valley I was traveling. He was in his 50s, and so I expected that he was farther along in that journey of life. I knew that for sure that he hadn't traveled that journey when on the next Sunday in his sermon he said that a seminarian had come to him full of doubts and he was proud to say that he's never had a doubt in his life. I was very thankful he didn't say and that person is Denny Wayman right (laughs) there. But I realized then that not everyone travels the same path. And not everyone has this internal talk that David is expressing and experiencing. But I now know what I did not know at the age of 23 and felt very inadequate then and unworthy to be a a pastor as I was struggling with this uh, coming-of-age experience. I know now that I, what I did not know at 23 that most of us are more like David than we are like my seminary shepherd. Most of us live in a complex intersection of faith and fear. And most of us 
are struggling with intimacy and yet then distance. Not just with God in this dance of intimacy, but with one another. And even sometimes with our very self. We come to that fire and ice experience that we often ascribe to borderline, but it is often true of just normal experiences of life. So it's no coincidence that scholars call Psalm 27 one of the brightest jewels of the Psalter. And they do so because the truth is that God is our light and our salvation. That's absolutely true. He is our stronghold. He is our protector. And we have fears and we have doubts and we worry about being rejected and we worry about being unworthy to walk with God in the great glories of his presence. And in that place, God meets us, just as he did David, his beloved, the one who walked with him. So we read Psalm 27 with one who knows what it is to walk through the valley of doubt, to walk through the valley of death, to walk through the valley of the shadows, where things are not as we would want them to be, but they are what they are. And we walk with the one who knows and understands and is there and will protect us. So we want to return to the psalm once more. This time we want to read it together. We want to read it outwardly, so I would encourage you to do it off the screen rather than in the various versions uh, that you have in your pews. We want to recognize ourselves in the words. And we want to recognize this internal dialogue that happens within us and happens between us, even happens between theological traditions as we attempt to understand God and understand ourselves. This is a very real place of faith. We're going to read it more slowly than I read it because we want to contemplate upon it. And I would encourage you, of course, as I always do, to take some time this week and to read the psalm again and again as you allow God to speak uniquely to you. So together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. 
Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's wait for the Lord in this time. <clears throat> 